Oh, good morning. The final week of flirting with disaster. Man, I'm going to kind of miss uh, the intro there. Hey, but that's okay. It's our final week. And, you know, through this series, we, we've looked at lust, we've looked at pro, uh, envy, and we've looked at greed. And, and kind of today, we're going to look at what happens when all of that gets up inside of us. You know, when, when we've got that envy for something, and then we get greedy, or maybe we're lusting after it. And then what happens when all of a sudden we don't get it? We get angry. We get angry, we get mad, and, and, and you know, it wasn't ours in the first place, but, but we allow this anger to build up inside of us. And yeah, Real quick, how many people in here still have one of them old-fashioned, uh, like, tea kettles or kettles to make hot water with? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It, it's amazing. I always liked them as a kid, you know, you you fill it up with water and you go watch your morning cartoons or something, and then all of a sudden you start to hear that steam coming and that whistle coming, that whistle just gets louder and louder. And I think it's pretty amazing when you think about that because what causes it is as the water boils inside and you get this pressure of the steam and it's only got this little hole to come out of, through all this unrest of what's going on, you get an explosion. You get this loud noise of what's going on. And it's kind of what happens when we get angry, right? We, we have all of this pressure inside of us, and maybe we're stewing or we begin to boil, and then all this unrest happens, and bam, something loud happens. And it's generally in yelling or something happens. You know, for some of us, we, we punch walls or kick walls, and you know, that anger just comes up or you throw things. You know, I, I know some people who are throwers. They get angry, something's being thrown. Make sure you got a helmet or something on because it's coming. Yeah, and, and other people, they're angry and they just kind of, you look at them and you can tell they're angry, but they get real quiet. Um, I'm kind of one of them silent, angry kind of guys. I kind of like keep it inside and, you know, eventually it bursts. And it just, it comes out. And, and you know, I, I always go with that saying, you know, most probably every one of us have heard it. Well, you know, I'm Irish, so I have anger issues. <laughs> it sounds good, right? Or, hey, you know, well, I'm German or I'm Polish. You know, we come up with this great, you know, it's because of my ancestors that I have anger problems. Yeah, it, it makes it easy, right? It makes it so easy to blame it on somebody else, but unfortunately, that goes against what God's Word says. See, because the Bible tells us when we're Christians that we're new creations. So, so we can't really say that, well, because I was raised that way, because we're not a slave to our upbringing, we're not a slave to our nationality, we're not a slave to, to our old life, because we're a new creation in Christ. And, and as that new creation, is not like He put us on a sander, and kind of ground us down. It's not like he, you know, made a new thing of clay. And No, new is new. What was there is gone. It's gone, and what we are with this new creation, we should be different than we used to be. The problem is, I think we forget that new creation side of it, and that old, well, that's just the way I am. I'm not like I used to be, 
but we're still not this new creation that we're called to be, um, where God has reshaped us into who we're supposed to be and who he wants us to be. Um, so I think all of us at some point deal with anger. Is there anyone in here who has never been angry? Man, I'm glad. I was going to say, you are lying in church, and I'm a, yeah, you're lying in church if you say you've never been. And the reality is, anger is an emotion. We all get it, and we get it for some of the dumbest reasons. And the worst thing is, all of us react differently when we get angry. Well, no matter what it is, we, we have these times that we just get angry. Um, and understand, anger is an emotion that was given to us by God. Now, don't try and use that as an excuse for being angry. Well, God gave me this emotion. I got to show it because, you know, it, it may sound good, but, but it's really not going to get you too far. Um, and the reality is, you know, most people think of when someone gets angry, it's a bad thing, but anger can actually be used for good. Anger can be used for good. You think about it, if you sin or, or you're doing something wrong, you can get angry with yourself and angry with the sin in your life and then make a positive change to do something better. So you can actually take that anger, you can use it for something good. You know, uh, may, maybe you see something and you're angry with the way your house is. Or maybe you're hang, angry with the nation. And I almost said hangry, so maybe you're angry because you're hungry, you know? But you can do something about all of that. You can actually make a change, and you can do something for the positive and move forward. But in most cases, when we get angry, we kind of look foolish, don't we? I mean, the Bible even talks about it in Proverbs chapter 14, uh, verse 17. It says this, a quick-tempered person acts foolishly, and one who schemes is hated. And goes on in Proverbs 14, 29, it says, A patient person shows great understanding, but a quick-tempered one promotes foolishness. So here's a question. Have you ever made yourself look foolish when you got angry? Yeah? Well, a better one that I know we're all going to be able to go, uh-huh. Have you ever seen someone make a fool of themselves when they got angry? Oh, yeah. And don't be looking at the person sitting next to you in the pew. Because then what's going to happen, anger is going to come back around. You know, it's going to come back around. But I think we all, we end up doing these foolish things and, and we kind of, you know, we get angry and we get stupid and then we try and blame it on our heritage or we try and say, well, God gave me this emotion, so I'm going to use it. And we try all these different things. And the reality is anger, like I said, can be used for good. The problem is we normally get angry and become foolish. So today I want to take some time and look at what did Jesus do when he got angry? You know, as Christ followers, we're supposed to be like Jesus. So I think if we actually take some time and look at and see what Jesus did when he was angry, maybe it can help us in our life or maybe even understand, is it possible that Jesus is angry with us? So really, one of the big ideas today is understand anger, like other God-given emotions, can be used for good, but often we lose it, use it as an excuse to lose control. We use our anger as a reason for losing control. And, well, I was angry. 
Well, I was just angry. I still love you, but I was just angry. Oh, I did it because I was angry. We make these excuses, but we don't need to make them. And as we look at what Jesus did, like I said, does Jesus have a right to be angry with us? And you may be thinking, oh, pastor, you're going to get my business today. Guess what? Yes, I am. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. And in the back of the pew, yeah, Mark chapter 11. In the back of the pew in front of you, it is on page 1167 if you open up that Bible. And like last week, because we even talked about it on Wednesday night, we really enjoyed it. So we're going to go old school again. Will you please all rise and join me as we read and listen to God's word. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 18. They came to Jerusalem, and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them, it is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to kill him, for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. Amen. Please be seated. The word of God. So, this is one of the few times in the Gospels that we see Jesus get angry. Uh, this account is actually in all four Gospels. There's some variance between John's Gospel and, and the other Gospels where it's possible there actually may have been two different cleansings of the temple. Um, theologians go both ways on it because of the wording and, and the different, but we do know that there's different times that Jesus got angry inside God's Word. Just prior to this, it was the whole, they were walking and there was an olive tree that had leaves, a fig tree had leaves but had no figs, and Jesus cursed the tree. The next day they come by, the tree's dead. And so it's, it's we see Jesus have anger at times. Um, and kind of give you some backstory on this is, this part, it's on the Monday of Holy Week. So this is just after Palm Sunday. Jesus came into Jerusalem. He was hailed, you know, coming in on the cold and, and everyone going crazy. He was there. It was a Palm Sunday, and it's like amazing. Now you figure on that Sunday, Jesus went into the temple. And what he saw bothered him so much that now on Monday, he came back into the temple. And he basically, when he went, comes back into the temple, he cleans house, so to speak. He basically is upset. He's mad of what they're doing inside the temple. He gets angry. And, and a lot of what we probably call that is righteous indignation. You know, he, he had a reason and a right to be angry. He, he understood what was going on. And, and he did what the Bible tells us we can actually do. It tells us we can, you know, be angry without sinning. In Psalm 4, 4, it tells us, Be angry and do not sin. Reflect in your heart while on your bed and be silent. 
Well, Jesus had this anger, but he didn't sin. He was doing something to what was happening inside the Father's house. Inside the temple bothered him so much that he got upset about it. He got angry, started flipping over tables and and people's seats, running the people outside the temple. You know, so it was okay. It was righteous for him to be doing what he was doing. But I think Jesus was angry for a couple different reasons. I think first Jesus was angry because of what was going on, uh, what was actually happening inside the temple. Um, Basically, God's people had lost their sense of perspective. They lost the reason for the temple. The temple was here for a reason. I think they lost what it was. Um, Rather than looking at the temple as a way through which they could honor God and and bring other nations in to, to know who God was and move forward, that they turned it into an amusement, amusement park. They turned it into something that it wasn't. And instead of knowing that they were there to serve the temple, they expected the temple to be there to serve them. And I think we see that in today's world. Um, and I think it was true not only about the Jews themselves, but about the leadership inside the temple because the leadership inside the temple allowed it to get to where it was at. They allowed it to turn into what it was. And you need to understand um, what was going on this time. It was during the Passover. So all the Jews were required to pay their, their temple tax or what they were, the tax that they were supposed to pay every year. And it was basically, um, it, it was a half a shekel a year. And a half a shekel is basically a day and a half's worth of wages. So a shekel, well, they got, you know, a day it was a denarii, and a shekel was like 33 or a third of a shekel. So it almost took them two days' worth of work to get a half a shekel. So they had to go into Jerusalem, and they came from all over the place. Now I want you to understand, back in, in these times, It didn't matter if you lived in Syria, Egypt, Rome, wherever you lived, all currency was the same level. It's not like today where, you know, the U.S. dollar may be more than the Canadian dollar and a whole lot more than, you know, the ruble or whatever it may be, and you got to exchange your money when you go overseas. Well, what happened is during this time, when they came to the temple to pay their temple tax, they were required to pay their temple tax in temple currency. So it was like, even though all the money was the same, exact, no matter what it was, they were required to exchange their money. So then when they came with their money, say, from Rome, and they had to exchange it to get temple tax, uh, the temple currency, they actually charged them an exchange rate. And you're sitting there going, well, isn't it all the same? Yeah, they actually charged an exchange rate. And the exchange rate could have been up to a half a day's work. So basically, the the priest and and the temple workers were like, hey, I know you've got to pay this half a shekel. But I need three quarters of a shekel now. I I need more. And and they basically started charging them more than what they needed uh, in order to go to pay their actual taxes. So they, they had monopolized not only on the currency exchange, 
but also on the animals. Remember, it's the Passover, so what's everyone doing? They're bringing their animals for, for to be um, as a sacrifice to the Lord. And, and here's what happened. They'd bring an animal into the temple, and the temple inspectors would be like, oh, this is not a pure animal. It's not without, oh, it's got a blemish right here. You need to go back and, hey, we're selling clean animals right here. You need to buy one of these. So then they would basically say, your offering's not good enough, but here, you need to buy this one. And then you know what happened to that other one? It went into the pile, so someone else bought it later. You know, so, so they had this monopoly going on the sacrificial system, on the exchange rate, um, a dove, think about it, someone who, who was, didn't make a lot of money or didn't have money, you know, they were able to bring a dove and, and outside the temple, a dove was like a half a shekel. Inside the temple, oh, it's not, a, it's not unclean, you need to buy one from us. By the way, it's 10 shekels. You know, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? And this is what they were doing. So you want to know why Jesus said it became a den of thieves? Because they were a den of thieves. They were thieving from their own people. Um, they continued to forget about what the temple was there for, and they made it more about them and about their money. And I think it's interesting, one other point that Jesus made in verse 16, he said, would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. I'm like, what's that got to do with carrying goods through the temple? Well, one of the temple rules actually says this. A man may not enter into the temple mount with his staff or his sandals or his wallet or with dust upon his feet. So I'm kind of, okay, can't carry, well, yeah, you can't carry a wallet, you can't have shoes on, you better have washed your feet before you go in there. You couldn't take your staff, which was a tool to work with, um, and it was also a weapon for safety. You couldn't bring any of that into the temple with you, but yet what happened is, if you look at, go back and you look at actual maps of it, the outer part of the temple was a great shortcut from eastern Jerusalem into the Mount of Olives. So what people did is they used it as a shortcut. Kind of like people use our parking lot for a shortcut. Hey, I need to get to the neighborhood, so I'm just going to cut through this church parking lot from Lantana Road to the neighborhood. Or vice versa, hey, I got to get out there. I don't want to wait on the light because I'm going to make a right, so I'm just going to cut through the church parking lot. And trust me, I'm not picking on any of you that should cut through the church parking lot because I know some of y'all cut through the church parking lot. But that's okay. I'm not, yeah. But it's kind of they did the same thing, but this was the temple. This was the temple you know, where they worshiped God, and they went through the outer parts of the temple. So instead of going through our parking lot, it would be like, Hey, I, I'm over here at Waggy Dags, and I need to go to Ace. I'm going to cut through the sanctuary. And, and you're going to actually come through the gates, come through the sanctuary, because you don't feel like walking out on the sidewalk. And, and that's what they were doing. They were using this as pass-through way of getting from eastern Jerusalem into the Mount of Olives. And so they were really just using it. it, it they weren't using it for what it was called to be used for. And the reality is, as I looked at this, I thought, man, do we do this same thing? And if Jesus was angry at the, those in the temple, 
and of the Jewish nation, does he have the right to be angry with us? Is it possible that he could actually be angry with us? Yeah, I think about it. Whether we're, no matter where we're at, I think sometimes we lose that same focus that the Jews and the, the leaders do. We, we kind of forget what the church is for. We, we kind of forget what we're supposed to do. And I think we need to always remember that our purpose as Christ followers is to tell people about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're called to tell others about Jesus. We're, uh, we're to open our doors, open our arms, and, and even let people know, you know we're sinners, we fall short, but hey, hey, you can be right here with us you know, and tell people about your Jesus and, and, and that we're here to serve others. The church isn't here to serve us. We're here to, to serve the church. So with that in mind, I want you to think about a couple things this morning as we finish going through this. Think of yourself, and then answer, think of this. Imagine every, if every member of the church, every person in the church, attended church as often as you do. So as you're thinking about that, if everyone in the church attended as often as you do, answer this question. Would the house be full every Sunday, or would it be empty? So... Does everyone come as often as you do? Next one, how about this? Does every member give or support the church the way you do? And as often as you do. Because here's the reality. Think of it like this. If everyone did it like you did, would we be able to make a bigger budget and give more to, to outreach and be able to help missionaries more and, and do more to, to continue to build the building and build a a beacon in this community? Or would we have to open up these windows because we can't pay an electric bill and have air flowing through the windows? So it's something to think about. As you're thinking about your own life and thinking about what we're called to do as Christ followers, another one that I always thought that I always like is think of yourself and ask yourself if everybody invited as many people as you do to church on Sunday, would we be busting at the seams or would we be empty? Now realize, these are all things that we're called to do as Christ followers, right? If every member of the church did as much to serve the Lord through our church as you do, would we have more hands to get things done or would we have to hire everything out to somebody else? So, so as we continue going, it kind of makes me wonder, does Jesus have a reason to be angry with us? If he was angry with those in the temple who made a mockery of the temple, made a mockery of, of what it was all about, and made it more about them than the others, do we get caught up doing the same thing? Are, are we doing what we're called to do? Are we forsaking meeting together? Are we not giving of our tithe? Are we not getting involved in, in telling people about Jesus? That's what every one of us is called to do. So you got to ask yourself, am I doing this or does Jesus have a reason to be angry with me? And ultimately, if Jesus has a reason to be angry with you, what should you do? Change what you're doing, right? 
We, we should change and be better and do what we're called to do in God's Word. So, whole different thing. We saw that Jesus was, was he had a right to be angry. He had a right to be angry with the church, uh, with the temple for what they were going on. Um, but then also, he was upset because of where everything was going on. So, and I think to understand where it was going on, you kind of need an outlay of what the temple looked like. And to give you an idea, it's, it's really helpful. Um, the outermost part of the, the temple court, the outermost part was the Gentiles' court. So that is where Gentiles, non-Jews, would come and pray to the God of Israel. That's where they would worship the God of Israel. They were only allowed in the outside or outside part of the temple. Now here's something interesting. You know where all the trading of animals was going on and the changing of monies? In the Gentile area. So it meant everything was going on there. So if someone came who was a non-Jew to worship the God of Israel, he had to listen to people yelling, you know, doves, 15 shekels, I've got this. He had to basically be in this marketplace of chaos going on, people changing money, changing animals, buying, selling, doing all this stuff. And meanwhile, they've come to worship God. And they were disrupted by everything else that was going on. So they were unable to actually do what they came there to do. The next part inside, from the Gentiles, you had the court of the women. That's where the women, as far as the women could go into the temple, was the court of the women. From there, you had the court of the Jews. This is where the men could actually go and continue to worship. This was the part as they're going into the temple that they had to have every, you know, no shoes, no nothing. They had to be clean and, and ready to go in and worship. Now beyond this part into the temple was where the priests were at. So now you had all your priests, and then the next step was the, where the priests performed all of the uh, sacrifices and atonement. Then you had the Holy of Holies, where they could go in, the priest would go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. So it kind of gives you this idea of, as they're moving from the outside in, they were getting closer and closer to God, but yet at the same time, they were making a mockery from the very outside, outer part of the temple all the way in. And do you really think that God was accepting the Day of Atonement offering when everything was going on in the temple? Probably not. And it's interesting that as you look at all of this, everything that was going on, all this buying and selling, they were just wrapped up in all this temple activity that was human activity instead of godly activity. So Jesus had the right to be angry. And hopefully we as a church don't get caught up in all of this other activity and we come here to worship our God. We come here to allow others to come in and worship our God. Not get so caught up in everything else that we make a mockery of God's house. It's to be a house of prayer. It's a place for us to come and worship. And we need to always remember what we're here for. And the Jews totally miss that. If you remember back when God made the covenant with Abraham, he said all nations. All nations would come to worship. So the Jews actually forgot their own father Abraham, what was 
he called to do. And what would happen with the blessing from Abraham, they forgot it our, themselves. And, and as you go through it, it's you know not too long after this was the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, Jesus started the church, began the new covenant, and we continue to move forward with the church. And shortly after that, what happened to the temple in Jerusalem? It was destroyed. So the mockery that they made ended up being destroyed. And I was reading a quote this week that actually said this. Christ was not decorating society when he organized the church. He was developing an attack force. The church's role is to be active, not passive, to be involved, not isolated. And I think it's so true because we are a task force. Satan is real. There's real spiritual warfare out there. And as Christ followers, it's our job to be ready to go. It's our job to be that task force to get out there and tell people about Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And I think we forget that. You know, it's kind of like I, I was reading this story. There was these two schools that, uh, because it, the way the community was, they had to merge these two schools together. And, and when they merged them together, they still didn't have enough going on, so they actually canceled the football program. But, but the problem was the cheerleaders still had these brand new uniforms they just bought, and they had megaphones and pom-poms, and, and they were like, we, we don't have no football. And so they went to the principal of the school and said, hey, I know we don't have a football team, but pep rallies were really cool. Can we still have our Thursday pep rallies? The principal was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So every Thursday, all the school got together, and the cheerleaders got out there singing their fight songs and cheering and getting everyone all fired up. And, and you know, they did all this, and they were all excited, but they had no sport to go to. I think church sometimes is that same way. We come in here on Sunday, and we have a pep rally, but then we don't go play the game. We don't go out and actually do what we got fired up about. See, we should get fired up about doing what Jesus calls us to do, right? And it's not just about being, amen, yeah, come on, let's go. Okay, guess what? You got to go do it then. Otherwise, it's like having a pep rally and no game. And I think, unfortunately, many churches do that today. We have a pep rally, but we don't go play a game. I found a quote that said this, A church without a purpose is like a house without a door. It has no reason to exist. Let me say that again. A church without a purpose is like a house without a door. It has no reason to exist. Ironically, in the world today, you know, many Christians have been accused of, you know, saying, praise the Lord. But then also with them same lips telling someone to go to hell. And that's a shame, isn't it? We will come in and praise the Lord and then go around and cuss somebody out. And it don't take long from the time that we leave church to do it. Sometimes it's just in the parking lot. Sometimes it's opening the door and seeing it's pouring rain outside. It doesn't take much. We, we need to 
be what Jesus called us to be. We need to do what he called us to do. And like I said, is it possible that Jesus has a right to be angry with us? Does he have reason to be angry with us? See, the people of Israel had turned inward. A lot of people in the church today have also turned inward. We, we've turned looking for ourselves, our own self-satisfaction. We, we envy and we have greed and we have lust and, and we flirt with this disaster. We flirt with this sin because we just think that, well, all I got to do is ask for forgiveness. And instead of looking at God, who he is and what Christ has done for us, we look at him like he's that vending machine or he's that ATM machine. Well, I know if I mess up, I can just ask. It's that instant gratification. But the reality is, does he have the right to be angry with us? I think eventually all of us are going to, you know, we, we all are going to have to stand before him. We're all going to have to stand before him. And guess what? There's no lying involved. You can't go up there and say, well, I was angry. Well, you know, Jesus, I did that because I'm Irish. You think that's going to stand? No. Lord, I did that because she got me like that all the time. You think that's going to matter? No. We can come up with all these different excuses. Well, Lord, I was busy on Sunday. That's why I didn't go to your house. Lord, you don't know my bills, and that's why I didn't give. Lord, I was afraid to tell people about you. Lord, I, I thought it was okay if I just did this. If everyone did exactly what you do in your relationship with Jesus Christ, would the church be flourishing or would we be shutting our doors? Would we be able to survive tomorrow if everyone acted and had the same relationship as you with Jesus Christ? There are churches that close their door every day. We know in the world today, pastors are leaving the pulpit, churches are closing their doors, and it comes down to the world and Satan are winning. Does Jesus have a reason and a right to be angry with you? If he does, make that change. Make that change in your life. Because, you know, like I said at the beginning, anger, like every other God-given emotion, can be used for good. Use it for good. If you're failing at doing what God called you to do, get angry with yourself and make a difference and say, I'm done doing that. I'm going to be obedient to what God called me to be. And if you're getting angry over stupid stuff in this world and you're making yourself look foolish in front of your family, friends, and loved ones, make that change. Get angry with yourself and what you're doing and make that change. Because the reality is Jesus still loves you. Jesus is still going to forgive you. But we've got to make that change. We've got to have that repentance. We've got to turn and, and, and change our mind from what we're doing. Stop being foolish with God in his house and be who he called you to be. Do what he called you to do. Don't give Jesus a reason to be angry with you. And it's way too easy for Jesus, for me, to give him a reason to be angry. 
And if I can give him a reason to be angry, I'm sure everyone else can give him a reason to be angry. Because trust me, there's times I question. There, there's times I, well, do I really have to do this? You know, I get that voice, hey, go talk to them about Jesus. Well, I don't feel like it. Oh, you need to do it. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, I don't feel like coming and working at the brown box. I don't feel like doing clothes closet. I, I, I don't feel like, like giving my tithe because I got this birthday coming up and I, I need the extra money for myself. And even though it's yours, God, I, I know you'll understand. You think he's got a reason for some righteous indignation towards us that he can get angry with us? Be obedient to what he calls us to do. Do what he calls you to do. And the first thing he calls any of us to do is to have that relationship with him. And you may be sitting here going, man, pastor, that's me. Man, I don't give, I don't serve, I, I don't come to church regular basis. I, I'm all about me, myself, and I. And man, he's got all the reason in the world to be angry with me, so he'll never accept me. You're lucky the church didn't set on fire when I come walking through the door. Here's the reality. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, as we go down that list, can go, oh, man, I could do better at that. Yeah, Jesus could be angry at me for this. He could be angry at me for this. The reality is we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. But yet God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. And it says, if we confess Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's where it starts. When I talked at the beginning that we're this new creation, that's where that new creation starts. When, when we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. You notice I didn't say, well, Jesus, will you come in my heart? No, I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be the one who rules my life and guides me in everything I do. Because my heart can be deceitful. My, my, uh, my heart can make me do and want things that I don't deserve. My heart can lead me to envy. My heart can lead me to greed and to lust. But if I'm looking at Jesus ruling my life, being a ruler, me being a bondservant to him, me being his slave, he's my master, guess what? It makes me do what he calls me to do. It makes me want to be obedient because of the love that he had for me. That's where that new creation comes in. That old Ken, that old Ken's gone. He's, he's created a new me. The new me still messes up, but not as much as the old me. The new me still is a sinner, still falls short of glory, but the new me has Jesus and has him as the Lord over my life. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, Pastor, I've been a believer for a long time, and, and yeah, I still mess up on that list. Well, do something about it. Get angry with yourself and use that anger for good. Use that anger for, I need to get better at doing what God called me to do and start attending church more often. Get involved in a Bible study. Get involved in, in some type of outreach ministry. Get involved in your community telling people about Jesus. Be different. Don't be like the Jews and just trying to 
make it all about you. Make it about Jesus. Let him be the Lord of your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus after this final song, there'll be some prayer partners up here. You can come up here and you can lock it down today. Start being that new creation that God called you to be. And maybe you're failing at one of these things and now you're a little angry with yourself. Man, Pastor, you got all up in my business. That's okay. We've been in each other's business for five weeks. Why? Because we all flirt with disaster. Every one of us flirt with sin at some point in our life. I had someone say, hey, Pastor, when are you going to stop talking about sin? I said, when you all finally get it. When you all stop flirting with it. So I could keep preaching on it for a while, couldn't I? Because we're still flirting with it. So if you're flirting with disaster, you're flirting with that sin, come up here and see one of these prayer partners and have them pray with you and for you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your example. Lord, the reality that we, we can get angry for the right reason and that we can use our anger for good. And Lord, my prayer is that we stop giving you a reason to be angry with us. Lord, unfortunately, the church as, a, as the body of Christ, we see a lot of what we see in that temple. And that temple was destroyed. Lord, the last thing I want to do is see your church destroyed, the body of Christ destroyed. But Lord, we, we argue about so many different things and, and we we, we fight amongst different denominations and who's right, who's wrong. We got to do this, we got to do that. Lord, it's simple. You tell us not to forsake meeting together. Lord, you tell us to bring our tithe. You tell us to go and make disciples of all nations. Lord, that requires us to do something. Help us to do what you call us to do. And Lord, help us to not give you a reason to be angry. Ultimately, Lord, we know that you'll always love us. And that forgiveness is just an ask away. But Lord, help us to see you and see your goodness and we're, use our anger for good. And Lord, make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.